Hey guys, welcome to episode 187 of the JV Club. I uh, hope some of you, um, you know what, I know some of you enjoyed the re-release that I did last week uh, because I I did hear from a few of you that you had not yet checked out the Kathleen Rose Perkins episode and that uh, my doing that re-release prompted you into giving it a try and that you really liked it. So that made me very happy and... um, uh, I will maybe lean on that again if I have to skip an episode. Um, thank you also to those of you who wished me uh, well uh, because I was sick. That was a very sad sounding intro that I did to the re-release last week. Uh, still, still a little bit um, nasal and gross, uh, but uh, doing much better. Listen, I've made this all about me, but guess what? It's a podcast that I do that feels all about me very often. So I'm um, just as disgusted with myself in this intro as I am many of the episodes. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode with comedian and writer Emily Heller. I loved doing it. Uh, she's so terrific. She's got her own podcast, Baby Geniuses, that we talk about on the podcast as well. And uh, and so I, I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. I want to shout out Ryan and um, Ryan, uh, FYI, I talked about your um, emails on uh, in this conversation with Emily, but I didn't shout you out by name because I just didn't have that information sort of sitting ready to go, which I should have. Um, but uh, but you you are discussed. Um, and then uh, Jack, I wanted to give you a shout out. I know you are a new listener, and I'm so glad you love the Mash games as much as I do. Um, Philip, thank you for your thoughtful email regarding the Janine episode. Maura, thanks for your great guest suggestions. Um, Holly, uh, shout out to you for responding to the Janine episode. Um, uh, I really appreciated your feedback. Thomas, thank you uh, and welcome. You're a new listener. And then King, I wanted to thank you so much for sending me that awesome JV Club. Uh, collage. I love it. It's sitting on my desk. I'll try to remember to snap a pic of it. Um, as any of you know who follow me on social media, I am extremely poor at uh, staying consistent on there. Um, so I'm sure in a flurry of activity, I'll, I'll put it up there. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I, um, I'm really excited to, to head out on the Joko Cruise um, week after this. And uh, I will be podcasting from the Joko Cruise. So that is something I'm, I'm super, super excited about. And uh, I hope you guys are all doing well. And uh, um, uh, drop me a line if you got something you want me to talk about on the podcast or a uh, guest you want me to interview. You know I take that very seriously. I don't know why I turned that into a deadly thing. Uh, enjoy the episode, guys. Talk to you next time. Now entering Nerdist.com Super creepy, like yeah. Oh, we're podcasting now. Let's get it on. Never, never before, never again. Yeah. How do you usually start the podcast? Zero anything. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what the most consistent podcast beginning is for me is. There's really no consistent beginning to the podcast. (laughs) That is a reliable fallback, which I might as well have come up with one if I'm going to just say that all the time. Yeah, I feel like as much as people sometimes make fun of podcasts for having like cheesy opening things, it's just so much 
uh, less agony as a podcast host to have a thing to say yeah. at the beginning. Welcome to Jenny Club. I'm your host, Jenny Barney. Yeah. <laughs> I like to... I, this is, basically, I've taken every negative and tried to turn it into a positive in my mind. And uh-huh. so I've taken... I think like... That's who, a good policy, generally. A good policy. I think maybe one person has said, I love it because to me, it sounds like I'm dropping in in the middle of an intimate conversation and, <laughs> and it feels very natural to me instead of feeling like you're getting ramped up for the show. Yeah. And I, I took that to heart and was like, everyone feels that way. Yeah, no, I'm sure people love that. But oh, I also perfect. recognize that the impulse to want to drop in on someone else's conversation without it being introduced yeah. is not the noblest. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but you're, do, you're giving them permission to do it, which is great. It's like yeah. you're giving them permission to do a thing that they shouldn't do in real life. I'm trying to think of... God, this is a, <laughs> this is a weird thing to, to say. I'm trying to think of the amount of conversations I've overheard in life where I actually thought, oh, these are people, like, this is a conversation I would like to be a part of, not podcasts, because oh. I feel that way all the time. But in life, isn't it normally just the annoying conversations that my ears that must you, pick yeah. up on? Either that's that those are people that are speaking too loudly, although I have a loud voice, so I can't blame them. Uh-huh. But I feel like, I'm trying to think of the last time I heard a conversation that I was like, I would like those people, opposed to rolling my eyes at something being said. Do you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. I'm trying to think if I can think of anything. Every so often, if it's like someone who's trying to think of like the name of an actor or someone, and I know who they're yeah. talking about, I will just jump in and be I like... I feel I totally will too. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the same thing as like really wanting to be in their conversation as yeah. much as it is, I don't want to hear them wonder anymore. Right. <laughs> That's it's for that's, your own salvation. Yeah, it's the opposite and of it's. Sanity. It's not just not wanting to listen to it; it's wanting to end it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to end the conversation that they're having. Um, when that happens, is there a moment where they look at you like they're annoyed that you were listening, or is it an immediate thank you? Do you know what I mean? Um, it it varies. It's probably a combination of the of both, but I feel like I may immune to the I'm annoyed with you for talking to me look good for you just not by choice just it seems like that has it would it would track it would track (laughs) if people were giving me that look and I didn't know it okay (laughs) you know what I mean it would be like the coffee cup at the end (laughs) you've just given me a nice nugget that I want to get into um yeah I just think you know what? And I would also go as far as to say that um, in Los Angeles, the conversations I overhear are usually ones that I I think to myself, even if I roll my eyes, I think like moments later, I think, you know what? I could just as easily be having that conversation oh, yeah. and I'm an asshole. And is that what I sound like? And also, there's not that there's nothing wrong with that person talking about a writing job that they didn't get. Right. It's just the familiarity of maybe it's, it's that feeling of like, I don't want to be reminded that I'm part of a big thing that has such a well, like, yeah, b- industry. You don't want to be you of. don't want to be one of millions of people trying to do the exact same thing, yeah. trying to convince yourself you're the only person trying to do the exact thing that you're doing because yeah. you are like like every time I'm like because I write for TV shows. And every time I'm like off on script and I'm like at a coffee shop writing my script, I know. I just want to like shout to everyone in the coffee shop, like, mine's getting made. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> it's cast. It's already cast, <laughs> which is the worst impulse in the world. I know. Um, but it, I do think we wouldn't be bothered by those conversations if we didn't see ourselves in them. Like that's what's right. more because em- it's embarrassment. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a ruefulness to it's that whole thing where sometimes we don't like people who remind us who show us our worst selves. Like, oh, that yeah. person has the same quality that I don't. I'm pr- not that proud I don't of in like. myself. Yeah, that makes yeah. me yak way more. But you or that you're afraid people think you have. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. But how and how long have you been here? I've been in LA for two and a half years. And where were you before? I was in New York for two years. Okay. And but I'm from San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. So my next statement that I was going to make is. I also wonder if you suffer from the same shame that I suffer from because we didn't come here when we were 18. Oh, yeah. And that we were in a community of people who kind of... Like shit on LA. Shit on LA so much that... So whenever something that feels like it throws that back up in my face because it's a cliche... Uh-huh. that I feel the sort of told you so kind of like thing coming from San Francisco. Whereas maybe I wouldn't feel that if I just moved straight from Arizona to LA, I might've just been like, I'm all over this, you know, and just oh, never yeah. sort of had that like transition of, Oh no, I'm this person that I, I wasn't in San Francisco, whether or not I secretly wanted to be or not, or not even you know, secretly to myself, didn't even know, you know what I mean? but like, cause I yeah. really thought I didn't, but what that sort of moment of like, I'm, I, I'm going to give in because I like working because I, I like yeah. doing this. And you know? you know what? Yoga feels good. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the <laughs> we both would roll our eyes at if you, we overheard someone going, and you know what? Yoga feels good. So we'd be like, I do not want to know those women. She is right, though. Yeah. I mean, she is right. I mean, I don't know. I, I never really... I just feel like the memory of thinking LA was stupid is so far in the past for me where... It is such, I mean, the things about LA that people associate with LA, I mostly get mad at, I don't get mad at those things for existing because I just never, I don't feel like I fall into them that much. You know what I mean? Like I don't, you know, what's weird is I feel like LA weirdly has had the opposite effect on me that it has on most women, which is like, there's no chance anyone's checking me out on the street at all here. I just feel c- completely liberated from the concept of even trying to be attractive I hear here. That. I you know hear what that. I mean? Yeah. Where it's like in New York, I was like, okay, there's a <laughs> chance. There's a chance we're all bundled up. No one can really see my torso. Um, <laughs> but here it's just like, oh, okay, no, that's like not even, I'm like not even in the same I'm not even running on the same track as those people. Right. Because I don't run. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. I don't know. I definitely, San Francisco, I definitely thought I was never going to move to LA. And there's something that I find in the stupidest, God, this would be a hor- an annoying conversation over here. Um, yeah. In the most like stupid punk rock part of my like inner soul, I'm kind of glad that I'm like, oh, everyone was wrong about L.A. And I found out everyone was wrong about L.A. because L.A. is great. And L.A. is like expansive and has a million different things to do. And if you simplify it down to what just show business, you're ignoring 90% of the city. I agree with that. And I also feel like and by the way, this is not like the L.A. podcast USA, <laughs> um, like California. I put those yeah. out of order. Um, but I do feel like because uh, I just had this conversation. It comes up a lot when I'm in San Francisco for Sketch Fest because people oh, are yeah. like, oh, you, you used to live here. You started it here. You were here for 10 years. Now you've been away for so long. You know, what's it like to be back for just that month every year? And um, and I 
I invited in because I always say like, I, I still love San Francisco. You know, there's yeah. so much about the city that I love and I miss it. And, and so once I've invited that in, then that feels like what I'm asking for is the opportunity for them to say like, I know what a shithole LA is, huh? You know, how uh-huh. bad is it? Like, how much do you hate it? And then I have to totally 180 on them and say, oh, no, 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 no. I couldn't live here again unless yeah. I could also have a house in LA uh-huh. because I, because I, I 100% don't feel like the people I, you know, there are great people in San Francisco. I am spoiled rotten by the amount of awesome people there are in the city. Yeah. Most of whom are in the business, <laughs> but it's a bunch of people that like feel yeah. the same way about stuff as I do and laugh at the same stuff and want to break away from whatever they don't like about it in the same way. Yeah. So the sense of community for me is like, profoundly different and stronger than it was in San Francisco. That's interesting. Yeah, I feel like, well, part of it is, I think, because I went from the Bay Area to... And were you from the Bay Area? I'm from the East Bay. I'm from Alameda. I went to UC Santa Cruz. Then I lived in San Francisco proper for three years. And that's where I started doing stand-up. And I moved to New York first, which is like kind of unusual for San Francisco, just because LA is so close. But because my sister lived in New York, I had gone there. I had visited New York more than I had visited LA. I knew more comics there. But New York is so different that by the time I moved to LA, I was like, oh, I feel more like I'm going home to the Bay Mm -hmm, Area mm -hmm. than than anything else. I was yeah. like, it smells the same. The street, like there are parts of LA that just straight up look like Oakland. Yeah. Oh, sh- for sure. Yeah. Well, that's why I like living up here because yeah, I, the hills. Was lo- I wanted to be sort of in Berkeley and Oakland and stuff. Yeah. I was always in the city proper, but loved going over to the East Bay. So and- yeah, when people from the Bay area, I don't feel like know LA if they're complaining about it, but also, you know what? San Francisco has changed so much since I left that I'm like, I don't know if, it really has the moral high ground <laughs> to shit on LA anymore right. now that it's like 100% Airbnbs being rented to tech bros. Yeah, like it it's not the city I lived in yeah. anymore. It goes through, I mean, it definitely goes through waves of change, but this was a pretty, this last couple of years has been a pretty oh, yeah. sizable, very observable difference. Absolutely. Do you feel like you had the kind of, um, some friends of mine and some people who've done the podcast uh, who are from the Bay Area had the experience of, and I'm trying to remember who it was. It just happened that someone was like, I, I, it t- I was like in my 20s before I met my first Republican. Like this oh, sort of yeah. living in that liberal bubble. Totally. Do you feel like you had, did you have that kind of experience? What was your upbringing like? <laughs> yeah, I, I, had, I, mean, I was, Cruz, it was like a but. very bubble. I mean, I, yeah, I went to UC Santa Cruz. So, um, what was your high school? But my high school, I went to a really small, very competitive prep school in Oakland. And it was like very academic, very nerdy. I had one friend who I knew was a Republican who was on the debate team with me, who was like a very conservative Christian. Mm-hmm. And, um, but other than that, I like, I, he was, he was definitely in the minority at our school and it, and it felt like he was kind of a reactionary in some ways. And then when I was, uh, he was the Alex B. Keaton just to get real specific. <laughs> yeah. Although his parents were not hippies. Okay. He was like, also, he was just like, right. you know, um, but just to be, you know, accurate to yeah, family yeah. ties. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, once I got into the, the, the legend and the origin story of family ties, we need to stay true. Stay true. Um, Amazing. But then the summer between, but I also did debate 
and I was on the national circuit for debate. And so I knew a lot of people from other parts I of the mean, country. I really find that so intimidating. <laughs> like I was very intimidated by, by the debate debaters. team. Really? Yeah, because I don't, I never like, I mean, you should have been. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. here it goes. I, de- I definitely um, have that like, <laughs> my aggressive, my aggressiveness might have been more passive, which is to say, I think I would ha- I think that there's there's maybe a little war um pr- still within within me that I'm not super proud of that's like I feel like I'm a team player and I don't have to be the boss uh-huh. but I but then probably I will sort of in a but you're voice. also like, like oh they put us into groups in English class I feel like I totally would be like okay so I think we should you know what I mean but but I would never have had, like, I was too busy lying to myself about a leadership role. And so the idea of debating to where you're kind of open conflict situation and oh. sort of a, a power thing where you're like, I'm going to argue this point so effectively that I'm going to be called a winner in this scenario. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like oh, that. Oh, that's such I'll a fail. bummer. Because why do you think you felt like you needed to sublimate that? I don't know. Was it a gender thing? Do you think, think it was entirely, like, you're think, like, you don't want people to think you're a bitch. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, because for me, that was also that was also partially why I wanted to compartmentalize it into one Mm -hmm. part of my life Mm -hmm. was to be like, I need a specific outlet. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, part of me feels like that must be true. I think like on a very large social level, for sure, I must have been getting those messages. Yeah. But then I was also raised by a single dad who kind of treated me like a bull, bull, you know, not he he was very gender neutral with me. Yeah. Um, very gender neutral with me. And Where so he wasn't like, this is how you be a my woman. My daddy's yeah. a girl, like nothing like that. I mean, he but was those always ideas like, can we're get a team. In. And you know what I mean? So I think that on, for, I, I want to say like, oh no, no, I never would have thought that couldn't have been it. But I think whether or not I got it from him, I'm sure I was getting it from so many other places. I think, that, I think those, those messages can get in from other people, especially yeah. when you you are like a young mouthy broad and like you see it turning people off right you know what i mean like because that happens i was the same way i was very opinionated i got in arguments with the administration of my middle school like Amazing. all the time about like were you in student council then yes i was Amazing. actually i was student council secretary which by the way another you, thing where it's like where i like, wanted oh, to be no, a leader no, no. but i didn't want to be president or vice president because that scared president. me yeah. Oh my God. I didn't even, had never even thought about that. Wow. That way. Very interesting. This is really God, just about your life could for have me been, on the podcast. Your life could have been so different. It really could have been. I could be running for president of the United States right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it works. People could be savaging you that's online. Right. <laughs> Don't oh, you want that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I was president in eighth grade, but I here's what happened was it was me running against a guy named Nick. And Nick was like, um, I was, I think I was the faculty's pick and he was the student pick (laughs) and they, they, they were like, it's too close. We need to have a runoff election because it was me versus him and one other person. And so then they like, he really won, I'm sure. And then they redid the election so that I would win. You totally George Bush that election. I, I honestly did. But then you know what? Later he got kicked out of school for, uh, calling, our only black classmate, the N word. Oh my so God. I kind of think oh we dodged a bullet there. No kidding. Um, and I was, I, I will admit it was a lame duck administration, but I was, the le- <laughs> I was the lesser of two evils for sure. <laughs> Did you, when you see a movie like election, is that something you identify with? That's Reese Witherspoon. You know what? Weirdly, Witherspoon, a character. Not really. Yeah. I don't think I, cause I, I was never like an overachiever. I was really lazy. I never did my homework. 
I honestly only ran for president, I think, out of like ego, not so much as like I need to have everything or I need to be the best at everything. But I just honestly didn't think anyone else was good enough, um, which is I really love, I love everything you're saying. I love it. I mean, and same thing with same thing. I love the, the sort of acknowledged like, look. Even at my laziest, I'm still better than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely people there who were better students who might have even done uh, a better job. Uh-huh. But I wanted the taste of glory. Uh-huh. And it was easier. It's easier to win an election than it is to be the best student. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. the best student, you have to yeah. do a lot of you work. You have to apply yourself. Yeah. At least with cheating. At yeah. least you got to get good at that. Um, but, but, but something like debate team in high school, for example, I mean, that's when you start getting into the kind of prep school stuff. I mean, yeah. that's extracurricular. Yeah. Like those are decisions that a lazy person might not necessarily make. True. But also at the same time, like I still wasn't doing, like I went to a school where like most of the students were the type who would like get really upset at themselves if they got like an A minus and I was getting straight B minuses. Mm. Um, and it debate was a, an area where I was like, I don't actually need to force myself to do this work because I will literally get a trophy if I do it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And I was good enough at it naturally that sometimes I didn't even do the do the work. I would use other people's research and use other people's cases, but I would be so good at it mm-hmm. that I could use other people's work and then the rest of the stuff that happens in the round, because that's only like the first speech that you give and the rest of it's just rebuttals and like yeah. um, cross-examinations and that part I was fucking great at. Yeah, yeah. And so that honestly like made, I, I think I got most of my high school education from debate. Have you done uh, Uptown Showdown? No. Oh, God, we got to get you on that show. Yeah, what is it? I need to remember that we need to have you the same weekend that that show's happening at Sketchfest again. Oh, because okay. Because that is, um, it's a New York-based show, but it's uh, three comics on one side, three comics on the other, defending. Oh, I've heard of it's this, like, yes. The one that we just did at Sketchfest was real life versus the internet. So oh, three people are making, God. they've made their debate cases, Talk and then the audience decides Talk about the other thing wins. that I did with my high school was just be on the internet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Moved on the internet. <laughs> I did the internet, like early days of the internet. And it was like back when everyone was like, you're on the internet all the time. You're a fucking nerd. What were you doing? I was if just, other people, if, for, if at that time it still wasn't normal for most people. I was chatting with my friends from debate camp. Honestly, God damn it! I was I chatting it. with people in like what um, debate? Yeah, man, <laughs> debate camp. That's great. Yeah, where was it? Where was it? Was it in California or was it one, elsewhere? One year I went to Stanford okay. for debate camp, and one year I went to Iowa, which was at University of Iowa. Um, I actually I didn't start debate until sophomore year of high school, and then I did it sophomore, junior, senior year. So I only had two years of debate camp. Okay, um, unlike the the three most people and usually yet, get, you just and yet that's a that's a special kind of confidence when you feel like that's a, a specific kind of person, and I'm not unlike that, <clears throat> which is to say, I might do better with less preparation. Like I yeah. might actually. I think there are times when I don't get it. I'm not in my own way. And which, which is, and, well, you're an you improviser, I mean? right? Yeah, yeah exactly so right. that makes sense. And I consider that like the <laughs> yeah. laziest choice of all. Like you doing stand up to me, that seems like, oh, that's a dedication that I <laughs> never had. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. I, but I also, I just feel like stand up, it's also, it's, it's so little work. You know yeah. what I mean? Is like, it? if this is, I don't, I think there are a lot of people listening who would say, 
How can that be true? How can that be true? I think just because it's, you don't have to write that much every day and you get so much feedback Mm. that like it is, I mean, I'm just the type of person where I'm like, I can't do like long focused work on my own without anyone being like, yay for you. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's like stand up. I found I did have the discipline for right away because it's like you get up on, you write the joke and you can literally the same day get up on stage and tell it and get the feedback. And it's, you know, you're writing one minute of material at but a like, time that means that you have to go to a place at night and That's wait for true. your turn i guess so but i also um but if you're learning and you're interested in seeing other people's process and also i am the type of person who i think part of the reason why like improv never worked for me or like sketch didn't work for me is like i get a lot of anxiety around other people wanting me around and whether or not they do or not and so like like group dynamics i'm really bad at Mm -hmm. usually like a group of people i'll find one person that i like and then only hang out with them Hmm, that's Um, very i will say that seems like only child behavior because i think i used to be like a real one-on-one but you have a sister I have a you sister have, and a brother. You have a sister and a brother. And I'm the youngest and they used to gang up on me. So oh. it kind of makes a little so bit you of didn't, sense. You didn't have the sort of spoiled baby, everything goes your way experience. You got I, I up had on. that too. You had double. I had that too. Okay. Like I was spoiled by my parents and then my siblings like tortured me. Okay. Um, and if it, felt like, if it felt like they had a better relationship and you were the outsider in that sort of triangle, that would suck. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not even sure that that's where my social anxiety comes from. I think just generally from being a teenager and wanting people to think I was cool. But the thing about stand up that I really liked was it was like, okay, if I'm booked on a show with my friends, I know everyone's going to show up. I know we're all going to be there at the same time. Yeah. And I know they want me there. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have to be invited because I was booked. Yeah. You know, and just showing up at night to a thing where I'm like, okay, I'm not only fulfilling my creative obligations, but also my social obligations. I'm like getting everything in this one little package and Mm -hmm. then I don't have to do anything else. I understand that. I sort of feel like that about my daytime work, which is why I don't do shows at night anymore. Because I get to say sort of like, why I get to do this for a living? It's pretty social work. Yeah. So then at night, I don't feel, I feel like I need, I can sort of decompress and not be social because I get, I'm so social during the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when I'm writing on a show, I'm like, oh, I don't need to go out as much Oh, yeah. If you're in a writer's room, I'm sure the last thing you feel like doing is going out. Or maybe no, because then if you're going out and getting to try out stuff that's more you organically than whatever the stories you're supposed to Yeah. If you're in a writer's room and you're like oh, my joke didn't get in and it's so good and yeah. it's so much better than everyone else's <laughs> joke then it is nice to be able to be like well i'm gonna go on stage later and say everything exactly yeah. how i want to and let me say this too i would say that the i just find you a wonderful puzzle emily heller because <laughs> the because there's a, there's a nice it feels it's just nicely kind of um what i love about a lot of performers who are writers who are in their minds also which is mm-hmm. there's some interesting kind of dichotomies that don't necessarily mesh because in my mind it's so much worse to be in a writer's room in terms of social anxiety than to be on stage with improvisers do you know what i mean i would much rather rather than sit in a room and pitch a joke out to silence yeah when everyone else is also trying like no matter how good the dynamic (laughs) is those people are all like why it is a great joke but her joke being great means my joke won't get in that makes me my stomach hurt to think oh wow yeah oh that's so interesting you have so much more guilt about being better than other people than I do. <laughs> I have no guilt about it. Because that's the thing is if you're good at it, it's fun. And right. if you're bad at it, it's 
torture. Right, right, right. Um, but for you, it's torture to be good at it because you're oh, worried other people my. won't. That's very. Oh. I feel much more entitled to things than you do. I think is. <laughs> I think is the result. You yeah. must. I went out and got all the debate trophies that you didn't collect. Oh, I, I just that's what would happen. I would come over and I wouldn't be able to even talk to you because I would be lingering <laughs> at the like fingering lightly stroking the debate trophies. I don't have a single trophy. I have zero trophies in my life. Zero. I still have them if you want to come over. <laughs> rent them out for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. If there's someone I want to impress, I, don't know I have who one that would that's be. like a plexiglass in the shape of Illinois. So, Ooh, yeah, what want. was in what? Which Illinois? Comp- it was, was the that? Glenn Brooks tournament, which mm-hmm. is actually the high school where they shot Ferris Bueller. Oh, they okay. had a, a debate tournament. It was when I was a was it when I was a sophomore or a junior? I think it was when I was a junior. So they still let me be in JV, and I won um, first speaker. No mm-hmm. big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which doesn't mean that I won. It just means I talked the fanciest. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I was like, I'll like take that. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You talked. The- <laughs> That's wonderful. What were your friendships? Um, diverse in terms of was or was it more like my friends from debate camp and my friends in debate like what how else were you sort of fleshed out as a human person oh, yeah. um, in terms of your friendships and your interests I just in high realized school? we started talking about this to talk about whether or not I had met any Republicans and very, I realized I'm very sneaky yeah ooh, I totally forgot about that question um I had so yeah some of my debate friends were like the only Republicans I knew I also did a national youth leadership conference when I was a, like a sophomore in high school which was like just this bullshit thing that was used to get on um to put on your like college applications to be mm-hmm. like i did this thing i paid a thousand dollars and went to I'm dc saying. people knew to do that stuff and i just didn't it wa- wasn't having those conversations and my dad was an honors high school english teacher and i was i n- wow. was not having conversations about, about like extracurricular like oh if you want to get into blah 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 because i was such a theater kid but oh, i got but i yeah. also got straight a's and one b and graduated second in my class having no idea wow. that, that, that that had happened or that yeah. that was coming. Well, you know what? I only started doing debate because I didn't get into the play. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, fuck this. Look at us. Yeah. Convert, our little sliding Oh my God. Doors. We really are sliding doors. There is some this serious. Is so <laughs> weird. <laughs> because of the way our insecurities like overlap, but then uh, like dissect, like divert, diverge, diverge, diverge. Yeah. I oh. should really know that because of the divergent series. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, so okay. you wanted to be in the play, but it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Um, I'm sure there were multiple plays you could have auditioned for. It was one time. It was a small high school. Yeah. Competitive. And so, and it was competitive and it was like so small that it, I just felt like not getting into the play was just like a sign that they didn't want me. And it was like, well, what else am I going to do this semester? You know what I mean? Right. And then debate just started going well right away. But so I had friends from debate who like went to different schools and then I like I had some I had friends at school, but I, I just felt like my school wasn't um, and it was like a really great school. Like It was the type of place where it's like no one got bullied. Like I was a really weird kid and everyone was like, you're fun. You got a weird energy. I yeah. like it. You know, like did you dress weird, too. Or did you I dressed kind of weird? Like I ha- I went through kind of like I I didn't openly like no doubt, but I definitely had like a aesthetic Gwen Stefani phase. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a pretty good look, I have yeah, to say. I think there are a so. lot of directions I, you could have gone that aren't as cool as No Doubt. Oh, absolutely. And it was. I'm like, trying to think of what that means. Like overall, I just had like baby, shirt. baby bangs, bleach blonde hair, right? like great, great. men's dickies, yeah, and yeah, like okay. and like thrift store t-shirts, yeah, so basically. Yeah, yeah, I was like really into like ska, and like no one at my high school was cool, which was like <laughs> a blessing and a curse. So there were no sort of like. St- 
goth or like no it was there were 80 people in my class so it was like and half of them were just like nerds and performance fleece vests like Uh it was really there was not a culture of like yeah there was not a culture of like even trying to be cool like no one knew about any cool music except for me Uh um and like where did you get yours well, that was the thing was, I mean, I was still a few years behind people who were actually cool because no one else at my school had like <laughs> the main line on the good shit. Um, but I had, I also had these friends from my like circus camp that I went to and worked How at. How dare you bury that? How <laughs> dare you t- toss that out there? It was the like, have you ever heard of Camp One Rainbow? It's wavy gravy. Oh, no. And it's a circus and performing arts camp for the children of hippies. Could anything sound more Northern California? I know. Ever. Seriously. It sounds like a joke, but it is very real. Um, That sounds amazing. Yeah. So that was like a whole other. I was really into the idea that I had a world outside of my high school. Mm -hmm. And like just. I'm sure it'd be really important if you you can either have that small view where your high school is your whole world when it's that small. Or you, I'm sure, have to celebrate kind of being like, oh, I'm so much more than this. I have all these other things going on. And I'm still that way. Like, I spread myself super thin over a bunch of different communities, I feel like. And probably a coping mechanism of some kind to, like, avoid. I don't know if you can, I don't know if people can hear my human voice on the answering machine. (laughs) She's getting a landline call. Before we started (laughs) podcasting, that there's no way that's anything other than, like, some sort of political thing or fundraising thing. of some Yeah. Kind. No one calls a landline no. unless it's to scam you out of here. Um, I've gotten a few. This is an automatic message from the IRS. You have been oh, audited. God. Wire us $3,000. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, you did, I assume because no one wants to get in trouble with the IRS. Well, I'm not in jail, am I? <laughs> so <laughs> well done. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I, it's probably like a coping mechanism to just sort of avoid being too invested in any group of people in case they turn on you. Um, I understand that too, though. I do. Yeah. But I had like all these different worlds that I just kind of had like a toe in. Um, and so like my camp friends are another big part of it. And that was, I feel like the strongest influence on like the clothes that I wore and stuff like that. I also had like circus folk. Yeah. The circus folk. It was like, you know, kind of, I'm imagining like a barrel of suspenders, (laughs) (laughs) feathers, just like a big red nose. Um, I mean, it was honestly like it was, it's for the children of hippies, which in the Bay area is like a lot of kids who are into like you know indie and like punk rock and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and um so and the circus camp it was like a lot of it was just like acting classes and like dance classes and stuff i didn't do like unicycle although i can walk on stilts um great which is actually very easy maybe (laughs) Um, it is i'm trying to think it sounds familiar but i might be thinking of a pogo stick (laughs) <laughs> Poco stick, I think, is harder than still walking. It is kind of hard, but it's very satisfying. When it's you once you once like you, get you get in the, the groove of it. of it. Yeah, yeah. Still walking is is pretty easy. It's like I think it t- takes maybe half an hour to learn. Okay. Um, I still don't know how to like tie myself into them, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's pretty easy once you get going. You just kind of like tread water. You just take a bunch of little steps, mm. and you're fine. Okay. Yeah. Did you do anything like like actual sort of dance stuff when you're? I like, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember what classes I, I did like a lot of like the theater classes that they had there. Mm-hmm. And like, 
um, I did some like some random dance classes and stuff. But when I worked there, I was the poetry teacher, which was for all of That's the shy kids great. at the circus camp. Yes, uh, <laughs> I know. I guess I wouldn't have even thought there would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, camp. it was honestly like, I don't think they wanted to be in poetry class, but they just didn't want to be anywhere else more. Yeah. So were there, how, what was that experience? Like, I feel like there would be such a different kind of tenderness for of teaching poetry and like yeah. kids having original poems that they bring in and stuff. And it was really nice. I mean, there were, there was a little bit of drama um, because, and you know what? I have a strong regret about this, about the way I handled the situation. There was one kid who had written a poem where he talked about like doing drugs in it kind of. And I went to the, head of camp and I was like I kind of don't think because they really made a big deal about like how much money the parents donated to the camp Mm. and I was like he talks about drugs in this I don't know if we should put this in the big show and it was like a big censorship scandal basically and I felt I feel really bad about it because I think I was wrong I think he should have just done it I don't think anyone would have complained and then he wrote this like but and then my other the woman who I was teaching poetry with who was a nightmare like uh-huh. went to him and told him that uh i was wrong and that he oh, should no he like that this is like fucked up and like oh. and he wrote this like protest poem and <laughs> performed that in the big show so it was very like it was a little fraught at times oh my. but it was otherwise really good and kids the poems that kids write are really really funny yeah and there's one girl who wrote this poem that i still quote um she was like the youngest student we had um where she said it was like uh caterpillars turn into butterflies cherry blossoms turn into cherries chins turn into beards (laughs) 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 which was uh funny for a a lot of reasons because chins do not turn into beards but it was also there was like this known phenomenon there with the male counselors where when the parents dropped their kids off they all had to be clean shaven because no one wants to drop their kids off to a man with a beard but then they all grew beards over like two weeks and so the kids were just watching the men grow beards all all session she was 100 percent right she was right she was was right she was social observer she was writing what she knew which is rule number one rule number one (laughs) rule number one i know what happens to a cherry i've seen it yeah i don't know if i've ever seen i think i've seen a lot of cherry blossom trees that have are urban and don't now have been like don't have cherries genetically yeah. altered so that yeah there are what's no up with that come out of or maybe they're just not being properly pollinated it's possible yeah a real problem with that someone write in someone, <laughs> please. in fact if someone would call in right now maybe that person was calling from the future also this is not live so it's a uh, really impressive yeah um what about dating and stuff and did you have Ooh. like uh camp romances <sighs> i always wanted to i always had <laughs> such big crushes on people at camp um that is I, really the place i mean it's a broken record talking about high school. I got to talk about raging hormones, but yeah. especially when you're removed, when you're dropped into this new pocket of a world where you're not even going home to your own house oh at my night. God, no, it is it's 100% of your life. It is like I, I, when I think about certain camp experiences I had, even when I was in like sixth grade, I just feel like it was adrenaline the whole time. Oh yeah. Mostly based on crushes or having my heart smashed because it became clear someone I had a crush on didn't like me or whatever. I just yeah. remember this like vibrating hum of camp Absolutely. that was like so amped. And if like a dude that I liked liked my friend, she was dead to me oh, in yeah. the worst most evil yeah, way, you yeah. know? 
whether um, or not she had any control or say oh over absolutely or not. not you know yeah, what i mean yeah. um it just hurts so much it hurts it's hard so to, much it's and so it's, hard to be a, like a to be quote-unquote mature about it yeah you know and that's like i think that was a really hard thing for me about i mean harder for my friends probably because i was just like i just wasn't cool about that mm. in a way that yeah, I, in the way that that's like another thing that I like strongly regret was like not being nicer to my girlfriends who hmm. I felt like jealous of the attention they were getting from boys. Yeah. Um, but I did have one boyfriend in high school for like a year who in retrospect was like terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like perfect. But it was I was so obsessed with having a boyfriend that I think I didn't know I was allowed to break up with him. And so it was like I was not happy. Mm. I didn't really like him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing or what it was supposed to be like. And I just how did the, the how did it start? How did it come to be? I mean, it started with like a crazy crush. <clears throat> Like I had a crazy crush on him. He had a crazy crush on me. It was like a year of like drama leading up to us actually being together. And then once we were together, I was like, well, I don't know what to do from here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it did was... you feel and he was yeah. a Republican. <gasps> oh, my God. How did I not think about that? Interesting. How did I not remember that when we were talking about this? what when you guys had crushes on each other? Was it because I feel I had crushes on people that I had no business having a crush on and that was probably part of why I would have a crush on them opposed to and then maybe somebody being interested in somebody that I felt like understood me or felt known to which is an entirely Mm -hmm. different kind of thing but like once you start dating someone that you're attracted to that you don't have that much in common with or you don't really I think I just I didn't know myself yet mm, and mm. I think I left middle school thinking like I haven't figured out anything I don't know how to be popular. I don't know how to get boys to like me. Like nothing about me is right. Hmm. And then when I was in high school, I was kind of like sort of a blank slate kind of where I like I sort of rejected the stuff about me that was weird that I could that I felt like I could get rid of. And I started like what? Like honestly, like how I dress like and and. I my parents just refused to buy me nice clothes, which in retrospect I'm really like grateful to them for <laughs> because it forced me to develop other parts of my personality. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was kind of like I never like looked like what everyone else was wearing, and in high school I kind of tried to do that a little bit more. And I liked this boy. It was based on very little other than he was cute and he seemed to be like kind of quiet and nice. Mm-hmm. And then when we started dating, it was very clear eventually or it kind of became clear gradually i mean we started dating during the bush gore election and i was phone banking for gore and i was talking to him on election night and i was like we only need a couple more states and then he was like would it be so bad if bush won (laughs) and i was like what like oh excuse me um and that's when he told me he was a Republican and I was like, okay, well we just need to never talk about politics again. Yeah. How far in was this? That was like two months in and it was like, why didn't I stop and think, well, maybe you're not like the right person for me or like, I just felt like I had to wash over anything I didn't like about the relationship Mm -hmm. until there was just nothing left. (laughs) And then I was like, oh fuck, where am I? What am I? And he really tried to control 
how I like dressed and presented mm. myself. And like I started while we were dating is when I started wanting to like, oh no, I actually like want to look weirder. And like mm. I want to dress weirder and I don't want to be this like girly person that I've been pretending to be for the past couple years. Mm-hmm. And he really didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's partially why when we did break up, I was like, fuck you uh-huh. and fuck everything about the last year. And right. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to be. And that's like when I think I figured out who I actually was. Did you... um was was it tense but like if you would see him in the hall and stuff i mean this really i couldn't be yeah more like, <laughs> like after question, we broke but, up you yeah. mean oh it was really rough um because he i don't think it's one of those weird things and i don't know i kind of feel weird talking about it because i do think in some ways i i'm not sure he has any idea what my experience of our relationship was because mm. i don't think he knows let's ask him <laughs> Can you come in here, please? um i do think that he he was he put a lot of his like emotional shit on me that like you shouldn't ask your 15 year old girlfriend to take care of like you know he was a sad guy and i i was really you know manipulated in that relationship in a way that i uh have been very wary about ever Mm. since do you have any curiosity about what his takeaway is from i'm so curious i mean and i know it's different because i've talked to him since then but it was the type of thing where when we broke up from the outside it looked like i was breaking his heart because he had become really dependent on the relationship he was like much more codependent than i was and he was really sad about us breaking up but for me it was like this guy has put me on a pedestal he doesn't actually know me he doesn't actually like the real me Mm. he likes this idea of me i'm free now to me i was like fuck yes i'm free of this guy who no one knows what happened in our inside our relationship from the outside like the bad guy i looked like a bad guy yeah for sure um and his friends were my friends and they I think they were kind of mad at me for a little while but it was the type of thing where I was I think he was too afraid to try and like punish me for it because we broke up twice we broke up once and like I didn't go to school the next day and he like called me all day for like two days until he kind of honestly just like wore me down Uh and then I got back together with him and I was like well wait this is still bad and then I broke up with him again like months later and um i just feel like there's so much that happens in high school i've talked about this before and it still really sticks with me and i just did this um this really rad uh program at the the university of chicago during their sex week and went and did like a couple panels and um and talked about some stuff and we were talking a lot about like sort of gender identity and stuff that happens when you're in high school and just talking to some of these kids it just brought back I, I, I mean, I still talk about it a lot, but it just, it brings back that, that suffocating feeling of being trapped of yeah. like once, you know, the clean slate, the sort of blank slate idea at the beginning of high school is terrific. And for those people who switched schools, maybe it was terrible, but maybe it was good because they, they repeatedly would get a, a blank slate mm-hmm. opposed to sort of getting locked into a school and feeling like in a situation with a breakup, it makes again, because I hated confrontation, particularly yeah. the idea of being with someone for a full year and then everything else being the same, but that relationship is over. It, yeah. It's like, even as the person who wants out, it feels like it would be so easy to just go, I mean, God damn it. I got to still get up every day and go to that and same place. See. I don't we're have a in, choice. So we're in a Spanish class with 10 other people. Exactly. Together. Exactly. Yeah. Like I would have, mm-hmm. it would have taken a lot for me to, you know, not want to, I just avoid, avoid. I think that just speaks to how bad the relationship was that it was so much better to be out of it yeah. and be an enemy for a little bit yeah. <laughs> because it was just like, 
I, I was, that was the happiest year of my life probably was like that year that I broke up with him, but it did kind of eliminate my chance of dating anyone else in my high school. Cause it was so small that it was like anyone who I think I would have even considered going out with was like a friend of his. God. It was so small. There were yeah. 40 guys in my class and it was like, yeah, very few that I would actually have wanted to go out with. I mean, I didn't have anything in common with most of the people at my school. So it was kind of like that was my only boyfriend in high school. Yeah. And just like a million crushes other than that. But uh, and, and elsewhere I, at the other camps. And yeah. And like stuff, my yeah. camp friends. And like, I think I had kind of like a debate boyfriend who we like never really hooked up, but we mm-hmm. kind of sort of like laid claim to each other uh-huh. in a weird way and we but would, like, he was from chat. a different school or yeah he lived uh, yeah, in yeah. san diego you would see each other at yeah debate stuff yeah i love um it. so i don't know it was a it was yeah dating was very weird for me in high school because it was like honestly and i don't know did you have a boyfriend in high school i know i did not i think the longest i was ever with anyone in high school was god it's real sad i mean it's like not long and I, I want to say maybe two months. Two months. That's three not months. sad at all. It's I know so many adults much. who haven't made it past that. Uh, well, no, but I mean, and also it's fine. It's high school. But <laughs> yeah. when I think back on it, I think like, oh, yeah, you know, I just like like anybody else. But I, I did definitely have friends who had longer relationships than that. And I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I was sort of madly in love with two of my, two different girlfriends who were both kind of straight, but kind of vicarious. Oh, and interesting. Like, I was, you know, doing drugs and I was dating guys that <clears throat> I felt like I had a couple of great relationships with wonderful guys. I mean, I probably had like a longer relationship that would, but they would go over the summer and it was hardly oh. ever guys that I went to school with. Like very yeah. rarely. I'm trying to think of, and then the guy that I lost my virginity to, um, who I'm still friendly with, and is a great dude. Um, and we there were things we connected on, but also I should have him on the podcast. I don't know why I haven't <laughs> yet. Actually, he's like lives down the street. Um, uh, but it, it, it was definitely, it was in high school. It was in high school, but yeah. it was definitely like it was not someone that I felt adored me. You know, I think yeah. it's significant that I had opportunities to lose my virginity to people that I had much more in common with at the time or that I was less intimidated by. And that for me, the, the decision I think did have something to do with like conquering a some like something like, yeah. Oh, I've, I've won this argument because he clearly does want to sleep with me. And I wish I could oh, say I wasn't that person. You know, I don't know why I felt like I, you know, and I, we had something good ish, but like, it, you know, I think we both feel in retrospect like we but that we probably could have done a better job with that. You know, yeah. all things considered, all things considered. I honestly think we're doing children such a disservice with the way that we portray relationships in media because I had no fucking idea what the inside of a relationship was supposed to look like. We yeah. don't make movies about that. We only yeah. make movies about like the lead up. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, yeah. we don't really spend a lot of time inside. We write this movie together. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I think just following two years of most high school kids' lives, it really is exactly what you said. This sort of like the longing and then 
yeah. when when I think about some of the crushes I have, like if I, if I had to put my finger on what it was, I'm not even sure I could say. Yeah, and I would have been clueless if that person and I had started something real. Yeah, I would just would have and been like, God forbid, baffled. they aren't what your fantasy. Well, about sure, them is. sure. And then you sort of do keep those people at arm's length because for that reason. Yeah, and then you have friends that you have crushes on who don't like you back, and it <sighs> kills you. And then they have friends who have crushes on you in the same way, and you break their heart. And I mean, there's so many different iterations of what your hormones and your heart are doing to you. Oh my God. And you yeah. know, yeah. And sort of like, I remember the first, the first um, boyfriend that I had when I was a freshman was a senior and within like, it's like he asked me if I wanted to be his girlfriend, maybe a, you know, week into knowing him or something. Oh and then the first phone call we had together after it became established that we were boyfriend and girlfriend, he was like, I love you at the end of the call what as if that's just what you did and i i remember i mean i was did like, you say i, I love you back yeah i was yeah, like i how, you? love you too <laughs> you know what i mean but just sort of oh, oh is that wow. so is that what and i went out with him for like probably less than a month you know i'm sure it lasted <laughs> like maybe yeah. a month and then wow. how, but how, how do you even enter into that conversation where you're like listen I know we've been going out one yeah. month and you love I'm me I'm 14 <laughs> and let me tell you what true love is you know? what the hell yeah, yeah I yeah. did not know how I would I mean my boyfriend in high school I'm like honestly pretty grateful we did not have sex and we did not say I love you and I think I'm I'm really glad yeah. about that because yeah. I'm like I'm really glad I did those things with other people yeah. <laughs> for the first time absolutely it um, sounds like it I would have assumed no I yeah. definitely wouldn't have made the assumption that you had sex because I know but we were I together for a year but to be together yeah. for a year I would have it's funny because if you said which pick one yeah. do you think we said I love you or do you think we had sex I think the normal go-to would be oh you guys were probably having sex but yeah. I never would have assumed that I just would have been like but you guys yeah. said you, you loved each other after a year you know yeah no neither. neither of those and I think because I knew because I knew it was, I knew in my heart that it was wrong yeah that it was wrong for us to be together and I think I was hoping things would change and either of those things would be the right thing to do and they weren't yeah um and so but then I also went it felt like when we broke up, I was back to square one of feeling like, well, I've still never been in love and I've still never had sex. Like I'm still on the other side of the line of like most people of like, I still am waiting for those things to happen. And yeah. it was it like, even though I had this like very real relationship for a full year, <laughs> which is, it felt like I, it felt like I had no experience at yeah, all. Cause yeah. I was just like, it felt like lost time, honestly, yeah. more than anything else. Well, that's what I think is so interesting is just to get, and I think that it's, it's fair for you to look at that year and feel wary about f for future experiences because I, 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 f I very strongly believe that there's no loneliness, like the loneliness of you're supposed to feel intimacy with someone that you don't. I just yeah. think, I truly think that's the worst yeah. form of it, period. Really? Yeah. Because there, because it, it opens up a sense of shame and a sense of this sort of wild loneliness that you're also being trapped and suffocated by because it's right in front of you, yeah. opposed to just like, oh, I'm all alone and I don't have anyone. But yeah. then there's but, more but room there's for a, fantasy. There's, there's a hope, more room there's a for hope that maybe the next person I meet will be someone like, that it'll click with the next, but like when you're... Yeah, when you're with someone you don't feel intimacy and you're like, oh, maybe I'm not capable of it. Right. Because there's a person right here who's offering it to right. me and I can't take it from right. them. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that when, when I think when we get into conversations about monogamy, whether or not it's sexual monogamy or just emotional monogamy, I think that there is 
clearly there is this yearning that people have to feel known and to feel yeah. like this person knows me like, oh, I've, yeah. I, you know, I've known these friends my whole life, but I'm looking for this person that I share a bed with who somehow is going to like get down in there and yeah. spark things that no one else could. There's that. And I don't know if that's because we're taught that in stories. And so now we've decided that that is this fundamental thing that needs like a hole that's been created by the media that we then need to plug yeah. and fill like advertising. But or if that or if that's a real thing but i do feel like that's sort of what people like think they're signing up for when they fall in love with someone they're yeah. hopeful you know they it's so weird that we haven't like we're smart people who yeah. have like we're questioning things yeah. and it's still really hard to shake that like yeah. deep in my core that and sense then when people that, like, break up and you hear that sort of like i didn't even know her like i don't even know who that person is like oh you cheated yeah. on me i don't even know who that person is like this sort of the like big betrayal of the sense of, of betrayal i didn't know of, like, the person that i felt yeah I was but how to audacious to think you could ever know another person i agree i agree. yeah and how audacious to think that <laughs> a situation is ever so simplistic that yeah. this act is representational now of like everything else being a lie instead yeah. of guess what there has to be room for that person to do something that makes you feel awful but still have done all of those other things yeah and it doesn't make them necessarily a sociopath yeah it just means that like you're someone who's had your fantasy shattered it doesn't mean that everyone else isn't living a fantasy right it just right, means right, that right. you got yours smashed a little yeah, bit yeah yeah like there's a lot of gaps that we fill in in our minds of like i mean i I'm in a really good relationship now, but I'm always still surprised when my boyfriend and I will talk about something that we hadn't talked about yet that like we'll realize we had completely different ideas mm -hmm. about how it was going to go. Yeah, yeah. Like even if it's just something as simple as like our dinner plans of like, oh, I just assumed you were going to pick me up or like right. I just, you know, things like that where I'm like, oh, so much of this relationship is happening in my brain. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And yeah, the fact that it, yeah, it's, it's, and, and and becoming okay with that and knowing that that's a totally fine thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that like somehow yeah. you guys are supposed to be so psychically connected that exactly that like person. actually like reality is more nuanced than than that. Are you so you said monogamy? Are you non monogamous? Oh no, no. I am. You just, I'm just. Yeah. I think it's. You just I, think about relationships in those. Terms, yeah, I, kind of. I've never. I've never successfully been like polyamorous. I don't know how I would do that. I. Yeah. I. I think a lot of it for me does have to do with the fact that I buy into this idea that you're a partner with someone, and the second you kind of start keeping those kinds of secrets or openly do something that immediately, unfortunately challenges. And by the way, for those of you who are more curious about this, I invite you to listen to my sex nerd Sandra episode <laughs> of the podcast. Cause I know we went off on this. Um, but I guess <clears throat> I wish I could say that in my, in my life and my experience that I'm liberated now out of my own insecurities to the point where none of that matters or all of that that I've been conditioned has taken me to a place now where I can kind of shed all of that. Mm -hmm. But that's not how I feel. I don't yeah. know how to, I can, I can like mentally, I can intellectually absolutely recognize like, of course someone's going to be attracted to someone else. Of course someone yeah. once, once this person has been with me and they see every part, right. Being known, uh -huh. um, there's always going to be this sort of like the inviting mystery of someone else and those nuances and, and the, ideally in a perfect world, the older you get, the more you understand that that's always going to be true. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you just keep chasing after that high. But I also don't feel like I could 
comfortably say to someone, I want you to pursue that. Yeah. Go ahead and chase that high. You'll come back or you won't come back. But if you don't come back, it's not meant to be. I think I would feel horribly jealous and no. and very I would, sort of hurt if i, I was like oh why am i the you know? walls any second yeah. i thought they were together yeah i yeah. mean that's really hard and like i said i i can intellectualize and say like well you know that's just a that's insecurity and that's maybe that's not natural and it's not normal for humans to be naturally monogamous and all that stuff i can talk about that till the cows come home but but i also have to be honest about yeah. it's what my not- own experience with my own heart has been and i haven't been able to tease those apart and say you know, I'm yeah. both wildly in love with you and comfortable with you fucking someone else. <laughs> yeah. I've never been able to say it that. It may not be natural for us to be monogamous. And I do think that like our relationships aren't ha- supposed to have as long of a shelf life as we've been imposing on them. But I also, it's like, it's also not natural for us to wear clothes and we do it anyway because yeah. we live in a society. Yeah. And <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, I think it's, they can be used as a kind of a, a permission slip for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. If you want to go down that road, I like, I'm, Really, in, I, I definitely think that if it's something that you think you can handle, I don't think that it's more dangerous than being in a relationship. I don't think there's a safe way to be in a relationship. I think that's a great point. I think it's absolutely right. And I have a lot, I feel a lot of envy towards people who I feel, because of the way I just described it, I feel are more evolved. To me, it seems more emotionally <laughs> yeah. evolved to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, I don't look at it and like turn my nose up and go, I don't believe that's real. You know, I just go, wow, I, I wish that I felt like I could even explore that in a way that would feel like Uh, less than crushing to me. I wish that I, I, I've been thinking a lot recently about like, I don't feel like relationships are easy for me being, I was single for a really long time and I got really good at it and I really liked myself a lot by the end of it and now that i'm in a relationship i'm like oh this is a totally different experience like mm-hmm. i'm it's thank something god you've that, had both though yeah so many people don't oh my let god. themselves be alone ever and i they never just don't know how to do that and that's much felt more liberated than when i was like alone and happy and i think everyone needs to do it um but i'm trying to be open to being with another person and the vulnerability that that causes even mm-hmm. though it's uncomfortable sometimes but mm-hmm. i think what i realized is that i was harboring a lot of fantasies about like a relationship being incredibly like easy and peaceful and i realized that the people i was thinking about who have relationships that are like that are different people than me (laughs) they're people who are all of their relationships are more easy and peaceful. Right. Their friendships right. are more easy and people. They're chiller people who are more tolerant of bullshit than I am. Right. And I'm not that person. Like there's a yeah. reason why my friendships are more tumultuous than other people's. There's a yeah. reason why like, yeah, everything is going to be different for me because I have anxiety. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like obviously someone who doesn't have anxiety is going right. to get along with their partner better right. than I do. Right, right. And which I mean, honest, that really makes it sound like my relationship is horrible. It's no, really I think great. what you're describing <laughs> yeah. is a normal is yeah. I think it's very rare for yeah. people. I think, I mean, I, I certainly have not done any kind of, you know, market research about this, but I do feel like that's a pretty universal comment is like people saying uh, if it's you know there's the sort of cliche of like if it's not easy it's not meant to be or you know it's not right yeah. and so it should be really easy and and then you're sort of when you're in that space and you sort of feel that way about your relationship then it's easy to kind of wear that hat but at the same time and then you sort of and then I think like at times when I've been alone and been fiercely proud of being alone uh-huh. and then people have said like listen relationships take a lot of work I'm like yeah that's why I don't want to bother yeah but then when you're in a relationship where it's worth working on then all of a sudden it sort of clicks into place like oh 
I also work at my job. Like yeah. I, I care about the things that I'm as an adult, the things I am passionate about, about enough to stick with or want to be good at or want to get better at. I've like finally woke up sometime, you know, in my early thirties, I think yeah. to the idea of like, Oh, I, I can't just expect this to not involve to just work. Not involve and work. also, Ugh, what a, how tiresome and boring <laughs> for something not to evolve and something yeah, not or to, to be not teaching you something to, cha- to not change me absolutely and it's it's tricky because i feel like part of the reason why i felt like it should be easy it should be calm it should be simple is because as a single person i did watch a lot of my friends in terrible relationships <laughs> tell themselves the things that i'm telling myself now right and it's so hard for me it's so to, hard to know to to trust myself yep. that I'm being better about it than they are, even though I know I am. <laughs> well, you know what? And that's, you know? I mean, ultimately, that's, you have to, I mean, God damn it, but you sort of do have to find your own truth because yeah. things can look the same in every way on the outside, but no one knows what's going on inside truly except for you. you yeah, know? absolutely. And and it, I think that's very, and that's very true. And that's the other thing you find out, right? Is that all of these adages are both used properly and abused by both yeah. me and everyone else. Everyone There's will a just... time when you tell yourself, I'm, I'm pretty sure he or she does love me. And the fact that they're not calling has to do with the fact that they're going through a lot. Now that may or may not be true. The yeah. question is, how does that serve you in this moment? Are you telling are you yourself that? that? Yeah. Are you telling yourself that? Is it going to get better? What's going on in that situation? And it's never just like, this is the blanket thing that it is, you yeah. know, because each environment, each moment in time is totally dependent on everything else that's come to get you to that exact moment. Yeah. I really think the only rules of thumb that are good are like, tell your friends what's happening in your relationship. Yeah. Because I mean, whether they approve or not, I think it's important that like you say it out loud to someone yeah. so that you're like, okay, at least I am looking at it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And then if they're like, oh no, he's spending all your money and, you know, right, and right, cheating right. on you, that's not okay. Right, right. <laughs> you know, just Having so you're not saying that to yourself. Boards, yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. But then, yeah, also to trust yourself. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Why are we so set up? This is the answer that you're going to give in one, like two sentences mm-hmm. that you're just going to answer all things for all people. Yeah, of course. While I go get a marker so that we can do this um, <laughs> mash game, which is why is it so hard for us to be honest with ourselves? <laughs> and go. Why is this so hard for us to be honest with ourselves? I think because the reality of self is a shifting target and uh, it's impossible to look at your own life objectively because our bodies are made out of hormones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that is hard hormones and stardust baby yeah hormones pretty stardust. much <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm still deeply affected by like the things that happened to me in high school and the way that like it affects how i approach my relationships now in a way that pisses me off yeah like i was supposed to be given more between now and then to yeah. like to, to feel like those like tools that should have pushed me past whatever raw places there still are. Yeah, like I shouldn't that. still be like flinching at the things that hurt me in the past or like yeah. I shouldn't still be letting that decide things for me now. But it's just like we're all just like really fucked up broken computers <laughs> that have like a lot of really yes. old source code. Oh, I just feel so much fondness for it. Like, <laughs> I think I've had to pull it close and maybe that's what this podcast is. Oh, it's like just yeah. pull that close and just go like, let's I got to hug this out because yeah, it's very that it's very that and that's 
that's what I think is so fascinating about it is how, how much you evolve to have the perspective that you have, but to still to have that perspective, to be able to identify how little you've changed is a really interesting kind of a riddle. Yeah. I think the only other good rule of thumb is to just like keep masturbating. Great idea. Everyone. We've been doing it this entire podcast. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> Feverishly, I would say. Is it say. still masturbating if it's side by side? <laughs> I don't know. I think it still is. I think it still is. We're in the clear. We're in the clear. Um, this has been a pleasure and a joy. Oh my I want to do this mash uh, game with you because yeah, I'm excited let's do it. about what the results will be. Oh my God. Um, I love mash. Let's go with, uh, and if there's any category you're dying to be asked, I'm very open. Okay. Um, but I'm going to go with... Uh, uh, fictional vacation home so a place that doesn't okay. exist or or it exists but wouldn't be feasible for you to have a vacation home in the sort of underwater realm or the moon kind of way okay wait so we're ruling those out or ruling them in ruling them in okay in fact i'm ruling them in and yeah i'm ruling them in and the only thing that's not acceptable is like big sir you know okay that's like yeah. very reasonable <laughs> all right um yeah underwater for sure great um also in a cloud great um in a cloud love pillow it. house everything's covered in pillows love it love um it. what else inside a volcano great that's three right there yeah so it's three yeah. okay cool well, we got there fast yeah um okay next one is you know what i want to break this out early it's like pulling out my queen playing chess i'm not a good chess player. <laughs> uh the alternate universe kind of like sexy times person or alternate universe yeah. spouse or you know just somebody that you have like the, oh i'm doing this wrong i have to do one shitty one too you don't you absolutely don't no I don't but do, but if but you, you need do. to play it you, you do okay you do you <laughs> sexy person okay george clooney great um idris elba great and what's that guy who played booger in the rich revenge of the nerds movies <laughs> i would pick him for curtis, real. Armstrong? curtis armstrong for us like a, i'd a be just as happy person? no but i would just be as happy to spend time with him <laughs> yeah there's someone yeah. where you're like he's never gonna yeah. stray so it won't be that bad that's great no yeah. this is good this is a good use of the third one that's a little wah wah yeah um okay uh next one is um uh foods that are uh now good for you in this fictional mash world of ours that are in fact bad for you on some level for some reason in this one that you okay. can have in perpetuity snap of a finger specific or general as you want um i always like doing like um fried chicken that's like not actually made from animals uh-huh but right. like yep because i'm a vegetarian but i yep. want to eat it um yeah and uh gravy mm-hmm. and is that, that but that's fried chicken and gravy like, yeah together oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah sure i was gonna have gravy be its own thing it can be that seems like a waste that's a waste i mean you're um, not gonna want to eat like i don't think you're one of these yeah. terrine of gravy without anything to go with it <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you i might you're allowed this is your mash game don't let me judge you I yeah apologize. No, we're doing gravy as its Great. own thing i apologize i never um, should have wondered and then broccoli <laughs> Uh, wonderful okay um next category is uh three fictional people you know from literature or from film that are sort of mentor slash best friend that you can just be with whenever you want whether it's for fun times or like i don't know what to do oh. the situation help help cool okay um um oh this is tough uh the first thing that comes to mind is daria but i actually don't know if i would like hanging out with her <laughs> You know like, Ugh, I mean? you're really bumming me out now. yeah even though she's not actually sad um they were having a whole she's episode realist. about it she's like i'm not a, some misery chick anyway right. um 
who would be the coolest person to fucking hang out with? Uh, what's her face from um, Sabrina and the Teenage Witch? Great, great, great. great. Um, and I know that she's a witch. Uh-huh. I get to, like I get to I get to know that she's a witch. Yeah, you're not in the dark. What a waste. Uh, yeah. What a waste. Yeah. I um, wouldn't want to know she was a witch, but I would want to know. <laughs> hmm, weird. I just weird. like her personality. Yeah. No, her personality is she's a witch. <laughs> um what else? Oh, Clarissa explains it all. Great. Both Melissa Joan Hart. And then you yeah, know what? No kidding. And then for the wah wah one, it's yeah. Melissa Joan Hart from Melissa and Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, amazing. Okay. Um, next category is any do you have any categories that you're like, um, about blah, blah, blah. It's gotta be like what kind of car are you driving? Right? Sure. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be. These are customized. So That's true. I don't have to. If you're it just not, feels if you're not wrong not person, to do it. Go, let's go tradition. So, uh, Lamborghini, great, um, Batmobile, and Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. <laughs> How's the Wienermobile doing? Is it still out there? It's encouraging people to buy hot dogs. That's a great question. You know, I just don't. I mean, I feel like is I feel like it's been recently enough that I was surprised. Like, oh, they brought back the Wienermobile. Oh, yeah. Maybe it never went anywhere. They probably they probably still they probably have a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. They don't just have one yeah. special one. That would just be, you know, unwise to not have a backup. Yeah. What if they get super cool and they have like the Wiener Tesla? <laughs> oh, what, a weird, what a weird moment of, yeah. That would be uh, very wasteful. Uh-huh. Uh, but not, but not of, but not of fuel. Powered by Wieners. Yeah. Not electricity. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Um, okay. Uh, next category will be, um, let's do three skills that you wake up with tomorrow. Um, that have sort of downloaded into your brain. Yes. Uh, matrix style. Um, speak any language. Great. Uh, fly. Great. And um, barf on command. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I actually do want. Use <laughs> <laughs> a serious win no matter what. Yeah. Uh, when does that come in handy? Like if someone's hitting on you who's gross. Yeah. <laughs> just to in- no- Honestly, just to insult them. <laughs> Just to be I like, like that because you, there's a, a real humility <clears throat> to having that skill. It's not like you walk away looking great. No, because you definitely barfed on. But someone. it's to, but it's to gets the to job be able done. to say honestly to people, you make me barf and then barf. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Also, to I feels like it's slightly superhero-y because that feels like a good defense mechanism if someone's about to knife you or something. To yeah. Blind them with the acid of your oh stomach bile. God. Yeah. No one's gonna Just stab you if you. That's barf. around the corner from an X Men. It really, yeah, you yeah. know, they want to get out of there. A lesser, they want to get yeah. out of there. They don't want to sit yeah. around in that. They got to get going. It doesn't help you fight crime or protect anyone else, but it <laughs> does right. get you out of a jam if you need it. That's right. Yeah, let's stay selfish all the way. Um, okay, next one is. Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a recent one. I know someone sent me a really good one, and in fact, it's the same great um, guy who is a. a a loyal and conservative listener and every time I, ha- I had Janine was the last episode that I had and oh, she yeah. just went off on a diatribe uh-huh. um, which I'm so dazzled by uh, because she's one of those forceful thinkers and yeah. she's so well educated that while she's talking I really am like oh my god totally and then the and thing then ended and I was like the same question yeah and like, then I was uh, like and then and then the end of the podcast I was like by the way I am totally one of those people that you hate which is I'm interested in everyone's point of view <laughs> I'm easily swayed I'm sort of like I know I mean I have core beliefs but like I can really I'm really interested to understand why someone else thinks something 
And she's yeah. like, I'm so far past that. I'm right. Yeah. And, and I don't have time or patience for people who I feel are ruining the world. And uh-huh. I, I'm so, I'm, I'm so, that's very magnetic to me because that's not who I am. Yeah. But anyway, so he yeah, wrote a very thoughtful that's magnetic to He me wrote too. a very thoughtful response and said, you know, I yes, I'm conservative and uh no, I don't believe that I I'm a 100% proponent for gay marriage. You know, he's he definitely was like I'm a person who is more interested in changing it from inside of my party. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm very interested in that and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm open to having those voices. I think I used to be more interested in that. I think I was really interested in that in high school, especially because debate was all about like fully understanding what other people were saying in order to actually like rebut them. Like it, I feel like it made me more empathetic than it did make me combative. Right. Um, but first, but I l- lost interest in that pretty yeah, quickly. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to have, it's not like I'm like, I'm consistently inviting conversations from pro-lifers. Yeah. I'm past that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But I do find but it's I important do, to remember. I do, yeah. it's, I, I'm, I'm interested because there are so many things. Oh, Scotty. Very intense. Very intense objecting to probably zero. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, maybe your dog's a Republican. That's that's exactly right. A hundred percent objecting. I'm sorry, buddy. Go Trump. Um, I'm interested. I guess I guess I'm interested in. I'm just interested in. Um, my own acknowledgement as frustrating it is that it just you know that it's not like like i can't say welfare works do you know what i'm saying i'm yeah. not in a place where i'm like guys we got it like <laughs> obama did it he did it yeah. that's proof positive right there that liberalism is the right way to go our like, country is are like, still fucked yeah. up you our know? country's too big for anything to it's really too work it's too big for any one thing to work <laughs> yeah. there you go yeah we've got to start separating into smaller countries guys we've got to i really ASAP. think so um so but he had a category and now i can't 100 percent remember what it was but i did do this recently and i'm still on board for it because i've been using it for things lately which is um if you could have your memory erased and experience something you love for the first time again you know those things like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. as simple as a movie you wish you could see or a place you visited that you're like oh god to have that maybe yeah. deeply knowing something i didn't know before so i would enjoy it more but yes. also having the newness of it at the same time okay um harry potter yes uh orgasming great god to feel that as with wonder like where the did first this come time from? Yeah. yeah that when i discovered how to make myself orgasm I did not leave my room for a while. Who could blame you? Who could blame you? Yeah. Um, I'm sure my parents knew how much I was masturbating, but I've never asked them about it, and now I kind of want to. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thing. I would never feel comfortable asking yeah. either of my parents. Okay, and then also sex talk with my parents. Great. That, that'll that be my wah-wah one. Great. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Um, okay, final category for you. Uh-huh. Uh, should we do like um, like travel sort of uh, places, Ooh, like fantasy actual places, places to go, actual fancy places to go? Sure, yeah. That aren't the ones that are underwater in a cloud in a volcano. <laughs> yeah. Um, and let me say this: could be some other time. Could Ooh, be like Paris, time 1920s. travel. Yeah. Time tra- time and space travel. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say. Hmm. It's like I kind of only want to go places now because I don't want to go anywhere that doesn't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> those are very Isn't realistic. That a real, is that a real? Um, I'm trying to think. Like, unless it's like some place that got destroyed, mm-hmm. um, I would like to go to Japan. That's mm-hmm. like a real place that I want to go to in the springtime during mm-hmm. the cherry blossoms mm-hmm. blooming. Don't expect cherries, though. Honestly, uh, yeah, I, just can't I guess them. not. I can't yeah. Guarantee them. Um, 
And then just out of sheer curiosity, like Bay Area, California, like 1721 or... Oh, sure. Or maybe even earlier than that. Um, California pre... White people showing up. I'm okay. super curious about. Cal- Bay Area pre-white. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for the want want one, I'm going to say, um, <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go like as horrible as it could possibly be. <laughs> but oh, you know what? Fucking Jesus time. I want to see Jesus. I want to know what actually happened. Yeah. Even though I bet it was really hot. Yeah. It's so much. Israel. There's a lot to get through. Yeah. I'm never drawn to any place that's a desert, guys. That's just the way it is. I yeah. can't help it. It's who I am. Um, I'm going to pause this for one second. Guys, you know to you it will seem as if no time has passed. Uh, do some calculating once you tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Okay. Um, pausing, commencing immediately. All strong right. showing. Very oh, I can't strong wait. showing. Um, <clears throat> okay. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your underwater mansion. Thank you. Finally. Underwater mansion. And you know what? Sometimes I say, and I, and I and sincerely mean that um, it like, if you're in the middle of like, you know, the mountains of Austria, you are fine with a shack because you're sort of there in the environment. I think it would be good to have a mansion underwater because it yeah. might feel claustrophobic if you don't have a lot of space yes. that you're sort of living and breathing. I also think, yeah, my ideal is like half underwater, mm-hmm. half above maybe mm-hmm. like built into the side of a cliff yeah, so that it like really okay goes under the ocean mm-hmm. yeah 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 i still get i'm fully still like thrilled but scared about all of that yeah i don't oh, have, totally. i don't have that I'm, i mean i'm not a scuba diver but i definitely and these guys know i've only recently gotten into snorkeling the last few years but oh very cool but yeah there's still a sort of like yeah i would never go scuba diving i think and even snorkeling I can't, like I, I can't I, master like, it. I was so wrapped up the last time I was there that I didn't have this thought while it was happening, but it's like I'm having PTSD from not even allowing that it might be possible. But I was thinking about the last time I snorkeled and for some reason it, I f- freaked myself out and imagined a shark coming up behind me and just like, what would oh. I have done? What would I have done? Yeah. Like, why am I doing that now? I that it's it's over and that didn't happen. Oh and now wow! I'm scaring myself post snorkel like that's, months later. That is weird. Isn't yeah, that? you are on dry land right now. I know, and very high, like high above sea level. Uh, yes. I want to say at this Am house. I, are we? Yeah. Pretty, I mean, I'm not far. at sea level. That's yeah. for sure provable. <laughs> yeah. For sure provable. Okay. Listen, I made that all about me. I really apologize. <laughs> you have an underwater slash above water mansion uh, that you. <laughs> It's so hard for me to pick the order on this one. <laughs> that now listen, I don't know if you want to have your sex talk with your parents above or below water uh-huh. level. Oh no. Maybe it's a good distraction to be below water level yeah. because there'll be some things interesting things happening outside the glass window that yeah, maybe. will detract from the incredible oh, God. discomfort of having that conversation with your parents. Uh-huh. If you need to um eat your troubles away because you're so uncomfortable, you eat your feelings like I like to, uh I want you rest assured you have unlimited fried chicken. Yeah. Unlimited fried chicken. Yep. Does it seem like there's something uh hypocritical about that when you're driving around in the wiener movie <laughs> maybe <laughs> but you know what makes the wiener mobile amazing is that people triple take first of all they glance then they look away uh-huh. they look back because it's the wiener mobile yeah they're like i 
that was a definite double take. And then they're like, whoa, whoa, what? Because their triple take is that George Clooney yeah. is sitting in the seat beside you. So yeah. I'll be damned if that thing isn't as mm. cool as it gets. Is he sitting in the seat beside me or is his face in my lap eating his my pussy? Maybe in your lap. It's entirely possible <laughs> that they don't know that there's anyone seated next to you. And it doesn't matter because George Clooney is going down on you. Congrats. Thank you. Um, you uh, can tell him how good that feels in any language you want. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're saying it like you're eating pasta that's delicious yeah. to tell him how good it feels um and uh and you uh also get to talk about how great of a lay he is with your dear friend sabrina the teenage witch yes rest assured you do know she's a witch do know she's a witch and um do not hide your powers from me not, no she, you're gonna absolutely know uh and maybe she can do something cool with the wienermobile where she makes it it makes it possible for it to fly over the ocean so that you can land in japan and yeah land in japan in the wienermobile oh my god yeah a lot great. of good stuff really really good outcome and i appreciate you throwing in the raspberries <laughs> i don't know if that's a all i know is there's a raspberry a razzies award and so i turned the raspberry into something bad wait when did i say really raspberries no like uh the, the bad ones oh the like bad the, ones oh, i don't know okay, what that's yeah. called but i know that there's something called the razzies i think it i think it's i think these are duds I think they're duds. Some duds. Yeah. Even the duds. Clunkers. <laughs> the There's clunkers, some clunkers really worked out. Yeah. I feel great about the clunkers. Yeah. It added a level of drama to the proceedings really that I think. The proceedings. Yeah. <laughs> and now I will close my case, Your Honor. I will finish my closing argument. Um, uh, thank you so much. Oh my for gosh. Thanks podcast. for having what me. What a blast. I'm so glad you did. I knew it was going to be uh, just as much fun as it was. Um, yes. What would you like the uh, nice people uh, to know about you? Would, they, would you like them to follow you on Twitter, etc.? Um, I have a podcast called Baby Geniuses. Get on Baby Geniuses, guys. Um, is that on Jesse's network? I can't remember. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect and, home. Perfect um, home. And then I also have an album out called Maximum Fun, guys. Yeah, MaximumFun.org slash baby geniuses and then i also have an album out called good for her on good kill rock stars it's me doing stand-up guys get it get it yeah. and i'll talk to you next time on the podcast bye yeah start creepy and creepy As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.